Father, this morning, we rejoice as we are in the last day of camp meeting that we can come together, we can fellowship, we can worship You, we can enter into the joy of Your presence. And there is a great joy, O Lord, in our lives. There is a great joy in coming together and serving You. There is a great joy, Father, in seeking Your blessing this day, coming together for the sacred worship hour of the Sabbath. May it be our heart's desire to be in Your midst. May it be our heart's desire to be in Your presence. May it be in our heart's desire to claim the promises that You have so freely given to us. And may Your peace fall upon us today. May the power of the living Christ be in our hearts on this Holy Sabbath day. And we pray, Lord, that next year's camp meeting would be amongst the pearly gates of heaven's holy city. May it be so, O Lord. And we come today in Jesus' name. Let all God's people say, Amen. Revelation 14, verse 12 tells us, Here is the people that keep the commandments of God and the what? The faith of Jesus. Here's the patience of the saints. Those who are able to endure. Those who are able and willing to stand to be faithful to God in the end of time. Yes? Until the very day that Jesus returns to the earth. And God has called His people to be faithful. How many of you agree with that this morning? And when we have confidence, when we have trust, when we have our faith put in Jesus, God will continue to increase our faith in Jesus the more that we exercise it until the day comes when we have the faith of Jesus. Amen? And God would have us to love Him as Jesus did when He was on the earth, and He would have us to love others as Jesus did when He was on the earth. And when we have that type of a character, we'll be ready to go to heaven. Amen? We'll be ready to not just get into heaven, but actually fit into heaven. Yes? And we are looking today to be faithful to the Lord Jesus. How about you? Now, but today we want to talk about not just simply being faithful, but also being fruitful. Many of us seek to be faithful. In fact, you can't really be faithful unless you are fruitful. Amen? If you're not fruitful in your life, you're not really going to be faithful. You might hold strong to the, to the theology of the church, but if you're not producing the fruits of the Spirit, if you're not producing souls to present to the Savior when He comes, then we're really not being faithful. Amen? Faithfulness includes fruitfulness. Say that with me. Faithfulness includes fruitfulness. Amen? Now we're going to talk about this. I want to read this little quote. I don't even know where it comes from, but I thought it very interesting. It says, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for this world are those who thought of the what? Of the next. Do you find that statement to be true? Many times, those people that are doing the most for the kingdom of God in this life are those who have thought about the next life. Yes or no? Those who have a bigger vision themselves. Those who are recognizing that they are a part of a great work and they are one wheel that turns that machine. Yes? Those who have recognized that this life is not all there is, but there is an eternity to come. Those who understand that they are part of something, the greatest work that's ever been done this side of heaven, the work of spreading the Gospel into all the world. Amen? I remember traveling to Malaysia. And uh, I went to this church. I preached in this church on a Sabbath. And this church was, had about 150 people in the church. 
And they were all young people. The whole church was young people, ages about 12 to about 25. And the young people ran the whole church. They did all the sound. They did the music. They did the announcements. They did the preaching on a regular basis. They produced 3ABN quality programming on DVDs. And they ran the video cameras. And they did all these different things. They taught the Sabbath school classes. And it was incredible. One young man... Right here you see his picture. He was about 8 years old or 10 years old, somewhere in there. And he had the book Early Writings. And he was reading the book Early Writings. Can you say amen? This was a group of young people who were hungry and thirsting for the second coming of Jesus. They did evangelism out into the community. And they would continually baptize young people their own age. I was blown away. And I said, what if we had dedicated people like that in America? Their whole life was given to be fruitful to God, to be faithful in the Great Commission, and to lead souls to Jesus. And they had a bond and they had a strength that was beautiful. And it reminded me of the early book of Acts. And I said, oh, that we could be like the Acts Church today. That we could act like the Acts Church in North America. We've heard all the sermons. We've heard all the, the, the Sabbath school lessons. We've heard all the different things. And yet, we are still not a people who have risen up and, called, and been fruitful and faithful to the Great Commission. Dear friends, we're going to talk today about how to practically, prayerfully, effectively, and actively be involved in your local church. Because let me tell you what, friends, the greatest level of ministry, the greatest impact of ministry can be seen at the local church, and that's where all of you are a part of. Amen? That's the wheel that keeps the rest of the machine going, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a number of ways. Now, we're going to talk about a little bit of just about everything today, so I hope you'll bear with me. We're going to clean it up on the last day. Amen? We're going to cover everything we didn't cover. But the first way that you can be very effective in your local church, you can be, make an impact in your local church, is to wake up every morning and give your life to Christ. Amen? Wake up every morning and study His Word. Because many people say, well, how will that impact the church? Because it changes your attitude about the church. When you read the verses that talk about how much Christ loved the church and He gave Himself for the church, you can't help but love the church even though it might be at times stinky and cantankerous. Even though there might be those saints who you can't seem to get along with. It's going to give you a love for those people. It's going to give you a love for the work of God. It's going to give you a love for the preservation of the church. It's going to give you a desire to put the church as the priority of your life this morning. Amen? It's going to give you that love for the church. It's going to help you recognize that you are indeed the church. Amen? The church is not some institutional organization. It's the people of God. Now, it might be organized. Those people are organized, and there is a structure to the church. Amen? We believe that. But we believe that the people of God are the church. Amen? So if you don't love the church, you don't love yourself. If you think the church has got problems, you recognize that you've got problems. Yes? Notice this from Steps of Christ, page 90. It says, There is nothing more calculated to strengthen the intellect than the study of the Scriptures. No other book has so potent, is so potent to elevate the thoughts, to give vigor to the faculties as the broad and ennobling truths of the Bible. If God's Word were studied as it should be, 
men would have a breadth of mind, a nobility of character, and a stability of purpose rarely seen in these times. What do you say today? Do you want to get smarter today? Are you a young person today in college? Do you want to prepare for your exams? Study the Scriptures every day. They will stretch your mind. They will deepen your mind. They will deepen your mental capacities and your faculties. And God will bless you in every other area of your life. I remember studying with a man who was in his late 40s. And he opened the Bible and he could barely read. But that time when he opened the Bible, almost 50 years old, he looked up at me and he said, this is the first time I've ever read the Bible in my entire life. It wasn't long before the man was doing Scripture reading and his reading improved because he studied the Word of God. Amen? Wake up every day, brothers and sisters. Do not neglect that time in the closet with God. Do not neglect that time pouring over the Word of God. Let nothing stand in your way. Don't let breakfast, don't let your spouse, don't let your children, don't let your work, don't let anything get in the way of that time. Amen? If you say, well, pastor, my kids wake up at 6. Get up at 4. If they wake up at 4, get up at 2. You say, how do I do that? You go to bed at 8. Amen? I remember when I was first coming to the Lord. I first came to Christ. I was the kind of person I stayed up all night long. And then I'd sleep till about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I played video games once for three days and two nights. Almost killed myself. Almost died from that. But I found myself when I came to know Christ, I was going to bed. I didn't do anything about sleep before midnight, but I was going to bed at 7 o'clock at night. I don't know why, but I just did. The Lord moved me to do it. And I'd wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and study the Scriptures for hours and pray for hours. And what a joy it was. And the more that I studied, the more that I prayed, the more the Lord just drew near to me. Amen? And He'll draw near to you too. In Psalm 119, verse 11, what does the Scripture say? Do you know that text? It says, Thy word I have hidden where? In my heart, that I might not sin against me. In John 1, 1-3, the Bible says that Jesus is the what? Is the Word. If I am not hiding the Word of God in my heart, then can I rightly say that I'm not hiding Jesus in my heart? Is Jesus not in my heart if His Word is not there? If I don't have a love for it? If He's the Word, and I've not put the Word in my heart, then have I not put Jesus in my heart? What do you say? Is it true, yes or no? Study the Word of God, saints. Amen? Well, if you go to James chapter 1, I want you to notice this. This is the result of not having a regular devotional life. Uh, James chapter 1. Look at this. James talks about uh, a man that prays versus a man that doesn't pray, and a man that prays versus the man who prays with doubt in his heart, being driven back and forth when he doubts what God has promised him already. Now look at this. In verse uh, 6, it says that he is a... Um, I'm sorry, verse 8 says he is a double-minded man, right? And then notice what it says after that. He's unstable. He's what? He's unstable in all of his ways. Therefore, this man has no ability. He's unstable. What's also unstable? It comes in a long stick with a fuse and you throw it in caves. To, 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 you know what I'm talking about? Dynamite's unstable, right? If you do not have a consistent devotional life, you become unstable mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Are you with me? And you cannot really trust yourself to make proper decisions about your life, about everything else that you do, if you're not seeking the counsel of God. Amen? You cannot do it. 
So friends, don't deny yourselves. Now sometimes, I, I want to speak just for a minute on celebrity preachers. Sometimes we want to flip on 3ABN in the morning and hear ourselves a good sermon from a famous... I won't even name any names, but bless their hearts. They're wonderful men, amen? We're thankful for the, for the preachers in the Adventist church, the head of ministries and these things. But listen, let me tell you what. There's not a thing in the world wrong with listening to those preachers. Not a thing in the world wrong with getting on audioverse and listening to a good sermon. But that, friends, does not replace your own time in the Word of God. You cannot get that Word from someone else and expect that it's going to be what it needs to be for you. You need to spend your own time in the Word of God. And we need to stop elevating celebrity speakers to a level that we ought not. When we see them, we go, oh, that's, uh, that's so-and-so. And, and we just kind of melt in their hand. These men and women put their pants on the same as everybody else. They're just people. God has blessed them with preaching. They're not gods. They're not celebrities. But we've turned them into Adventist idols. Do you understand? We need to pray for them. We need to treat them as men of God. But they're not celebrities. Do you understand this? And we need to have our own experience with the Word of God. What do you say this morning? Now we talked about this yesterday. Number two, attend Sabbath school prayer meeting vespers. I'm not going to hammer on this too much, but I want to remind us of the importance of the ministry of what? Of attendance. Yes, the ministry of attendance. We saw yesterday that the Sabbath school is the discipleship heart of the local church. So where should we be on Sabbath morning at 9.30? We need to be at Sabbath school, not caught ourselves in bed. We also saw that the prayer meeting will tell the true interests of the members and the church in spiritual and eternal things. If we have no interest in the prayer meeting, we are backslidden, yes or no? Now surely the, inter the prayer meeting needs to be interesting, but if we, need, if we need to be there ourselves and help make it interesting, right? Now the, somebody told me this the other day, and I wanted to say it. It refers to Sunday school, but it will also refer to, to uh, Sabbath school as well. They said, the test of popularity for a church is its attendance on Sunday morning. And I would just say Sabbath morning, right? The test of the popularity of the preacher is found on Sunday night when the church comes back because fewer people come back, right? The test of the popularity of Jesus in their lives is the prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Yes or no? Amen. We had a Sabbath school idea that we're still working out, we're flushing it out, that we would actually once a quarter take our youth class, our young adult class, and some of the adult classes, and actually go out and do outreach. Remember what I told you the other day, that Sabbath school was intended to be an evangelistic outreach tool, yes? We thought about that. Maybe you should think about it too. We're going to keep going here. How can I get the greatest blessing out of those meetings? Remember what we said? It's all about our what? It's all about our attitude. If we go to the meeting feeling that we are personally responsible for its success, is that going to give us the right attitude to attend every, every week, yes or no? It's going to give us the right attitude. Now, if you want to hear more about that, if you weren't here, you can hear my sermon from yesterday. But number three, I'm going to hit just a little bit, returning a faithful tithe and offering. Notice I didn't say returning a tithe and offering, but a what? A faithful tithe. Sometimes, you know, every once in a while the pastor needs to look at the records and uh, when nominating committee comes by and you see someone that you know is, not, uh, is very successful in their life and you know there's a very minuscule amount of tithe. That's not a faithful tithe, you understand? It's not a faithful tithe. 
We need to return a faithful tithe to the Lord. Go with me to Malachi chapter 3. You've known this text, but I want to point something out that maybe you've not really thought about. Now, in our evangelistic meetings and in our clearing for baptism, we've done a wonderful job at, at really emphasizing to the people that they need to return tithe, yes? I don't like to use the word paying tithe because paying sounds like a bill. It's returning tithe. Now, let me, let me, let me help you understand this for just a minute. Every time you return a faithful tithe, it's a very beautiful thing because you are supporting the work in your local church, you're supporting the work at the Michigan Conference, and you are, re- you are supporting the global mission work. Because every time that you return that tithe at your local church there, a portion of that, time, uh, that tithe goes to the global work. Amen? It goes to send missionaries and pastors into new places. So every time you return a tithe, you're supporting God's work in your local community, in the, the, the all of Michigan, across the NAD, and across the whole world. How many can say amen? Only God could think of such a beautiful system. Amen? We call it systematic benevolence, and they used to call it Sister Betsy, yes? And so the tithe is, is divinely orchestrated, and we understand, friends, that every time we return that tithe, it is a testimony to the world that I believe God's taking care of me. That's what it's all about. It's a testimony to say, I believe that even though I need this money, God's going to provide for my needs. Amen? God's taking care of me. I am putting my complete trust that He is caring for me. Amen? That's why it's so important. It's a testimony to the world. It's a testimony to your fellow church members. And it's a testimony to yourself. Amen? We're reminded ourselves that God is in control of my life. And that I'm faithful to Him and He's going to provide for my needs. And I'm testifying to everybody that that's what I'm doing today. I'm putting my trust completely in the living Christ. Amen? Now you go to Malachi chapter 3. But I want you to notice something here and I want to emphasize this. Malachi 3 verse 8. You know the text. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But, but in, you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God says what? In tithes and offerings. Now, if we're not returning a faithful tithe, we understand that we are robbing God. Yes or no? But you know what we don't often do in our evangelistic meetings is emphasize this, and and the pastors are going to love this. But it says to return a tithe and what? And offering. We have many saints that are not faithful in returning the full tithe. We have many saints that are very faithful in returning a faithful tithe every week, every month, etc. But then we have a class of people that though they're faithful in the tithe, they're not faithful in the what? In the offering. Do you understand that if we are not also returning an offering to the Lord, we are still what? We are still robbing God. We have not thought about this before, but the Bible says, will you rob me, yet you have robbed me in tithe and what? Offering. The offering is something beyond the tithe. You understand today, I'm blown away how there are some Adventists who were raised in the church all their life, and they're in their elderly age, and they still do not grasp the concept that the tithe does not stay at the local church. If every member returned tithe and nothing else, the church could not pay its light bill in six months. 
You understand this? It could not have any money for, to buy books for outreach. We could not support the cradle roll classes and other Sabbath school classes. That the local church operates on that combined budget. And God is calling us today to be faithful to return a tithe and offering. Sometimes the Israelites returned a third up to even a half of their income. Now I'm not saying we have to do that. You understand? What I'm say, whatever God impresses you, but we ought to be systematically interested and active in returning not just the tithe, but also the what? But also the offering, friends. And friends, somebody say, well, you know, I just can't afford it. I've already given so much to the church. God will bless you. He will bless you. Amen? But we need to be faithful in both of these things. They're both very important. Notice this, Review and Herald, May 9, 1893. This matter of giving is not left to impulse. It's not left to what? Impulse. God has given us definite instruction in regard to it. He has specified tithes and offering as the measure of our obligation. And He desires us to give regularly and systematically. How should we give? Systematically. You know that tithe envelope, it's got the percentages of recommendation. Now, each regularly examine his income, which is all a blessing from God, and set apart the tithe as a separate fund to be sacredly the Lord's. This fund should not in any case be devoted to any other use. It should be devoted solely to support the ministry of the gospel. After the tithe is set apart, let the gifts and offering be apportioned. Are you with me? As God has prospered you, hasten, my brethren and sisters, to bring to God's hand a faithful tithe and to bring Him also a willing thank offering. There are many who will not be blessed till they make restitution of the tithe which they have withheld. God is waiting for you to redeem the past. The hand of the holy law is laid upon every soul who enjoys God's benefits. Let those who have kept back their tithe make an accurate reckoning and bring to the Lord that which they have robbed of His work. Make restitution and bring the Lord peace offerings. Let Him take hold of my strength and He may have peace with me and He shall make peace with me. That doesn't mean we're saved by offerings, you understand? But as the Lord has given us His peace, so we ought to be thankful to God. Amen? Special thank, I mean, even at camp meeting, we're, they're calling for a special evangelism offering. You'll hear Galmore talk about that. And friends, we need to be living our lives as simply as possible. I can remember stories of Adventist pioneers that would starve themselves or go without clothing just so they could give more to the work. I'm not even saying, I'm not saying we should do that, but friends, we have given by the, <laughs> some of us have given, I'm pointing to myself, have given out of our abundance rather than out of our necessity. And God is calling, because it transforms our characters, you understand. And there's no greater joy than seeing souls saved. Notice she says, if you have knowledge, you have done wrong and misappropriating his goods and freely and fully repent, he will forgive our transgression because he's good, amen? Because he's kind, because he's true, and because he loves us and he's faithful and he loves to welcome his children back home and to repentance. I can remember when I was 22 years old and I was first baptized and I started returning tithe. I remember one day hearing a sermon about it and I looked at my bank account and I saw several thousand dollars that I had saved as a young man that I had never paid tithe on. That very Monday, I went down to the bank and I made the withdrawal and I returned a tithe and an offering to that. Now, I'm not telling you that I'm the example and I'm not boasting in that. But what I am saying is, friends, the Lord must be in control of every aspect of our lives. Our pocketbooks, entertainment, everything. Amen? I want to encourage you, dear friends, to understand and know your church's finances. 
Understand the finances of the church. Ask the treasurer for a report if you're not on the board. Know what's going on in your church. Know where the needs are. Know where to focus your offerings. Know how to be involved. Some people say, oh, I've just, you know, I just don't feel involved in my church. Friends, after today's sermon, nobody ever ought to say that because there's a million ways you can get plugged in. Amen? You can support the church. Every time you return that tithe, you're supporting the global work, so you are involved. Amen? Amen? You are involved. Praise the board. Attend, number four, attend church board and business meetings. Listen, you don't have to be on the church board to go to that board meeting. It would be a miracle if every board meeting it actually needed to turn into a business meeting because the saints were faithful in attending. Amen? Go to the board meeting. If you're a young person, go and understand what's happening in your church. It's not a closed meeting. It's not some secret thing. The board meetings are transparent. They're open. Now, you can't vote if you're not on the board, but you can attend. Amen? You can be there. Go to the business meetings of your church. The business meeting is the highest and most authoritative meeting in the local church. You understand? And the business meeting is like the general conference session of the local church. Isn't that powerful? Be involved in the, in the process of the church. Know the governing structure of the church. Be familiar with the roles that the church board plays and the business meeting plays and plug yourself in. There's no excuse for people to say, oh, I just don't feel plugged in. I don't feel connected. It's your own initiative. It's your own prerogative. And it behooves you to be there. Yes or no? Everybody has the privilege of participating in the church's governing structure. Now we're told in the book of Acts of the Apostles, page 9, that the church is God's appointed agency for the salvation of men. It was organized for service, and its mission is to carry the gospel to the Word. I'm going to say amen. That's our mission. So if you are a part of the church, you have a call to be involved. Yes or no? You have a call on your life to win souls to Christ. And some people say, well, I just don't want to do that. I want to, I want to be an elder. I want to be a church officer. The greatest work you can do in the local church is the winning of souls to Christ. It's not to be an elder. It's not to be an All these things are wonderful and they're important. They're needed. But the greatest work is to be involved in soul winning. What do you say? Now, I want you to notice this, friends. We're going to go through. I want to encourage you. I'm challenging you today. How many of you have read the church manual from cover to cover? How many of you have read it? About four or five people. I'm challenging you this day to go home and read this book. This book is beautiful, and this book gives us the structure for what we ought to be doing. If we follow this book, many of the problems we see happening would dissolve. You'll find beautiful gems in this book about evangelism, about giving Bible studies, about the core of the church, and you'll understand the church like you've never had before. Read that church manual. How many of you accept that challenge today? Let me see your hands. I've got to get a decision on this thing. Not enough hands. How many of you? Raise them high. Go home and read that book, friends. It's a beautiful book. Notice this from the church manual. It says the business meeting agenda should include reports about the what? The work of the church. Every time you have a business meeting, you ought to be hearing from every department what's going on in that local church. And it's like, wow, what a joy to hear what's going on. I mean, there's times we sit in board meetings, and, we, and I, every board meeting I have two departments give a report other than the regular standard reports. And people are blown away when I have the adventure. They say, oh, we did this, we did this, we, did, we raised $600 in our bike-a-thon for Strong Tire Radio. And people are like, I never heard about that. 
I didn't know that was going on. And they get excited because they see all the work that's going on in the church. Amen? Now, in the, it, it also says this, a report from the personal ministries leader giving a statement of outreach activities. So every business meeting, you ought to have the personal ministries director giving a report, what have we done in the last year or six months in terms of outreach? Are you with me? Now, what are, that's the business meeting. Now, there's other things to do in the business meeting. You can read about them in the manual. But I'm focusing on evangelism here. Look at this. The work of the church board in the church manual. This is from the 2010 church manual. Uh, notice what it says. The gospel commission of Jesus makes evangelism, proclaiming the good news of the gospel, the primary function of the what? Of the church. It is, therefore, also the primary function of the what? Of the board which serves as the chief committee of the church, when the board devotes its first interest, what kind of interest? First interest to, uh, first interest and highest energies to every member evangelism, most problems are alleviated or prevented and a strong positive influence is felt in the spiritual life and growth of the members. In other words, when we stop arguing about what kind of carpet we're going to get, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and we actually focus on every member being involved in soul winning, many of the problems in the church go away. How many of you got problems in your church? Many of those problems will go away if we do this. Now, the General Conference has this wonderful initiative called TMI. How many of you have heard of that? Total Member Involvement. Listen, I think it's a wonderful thing, and I'm fully supportive of it, but actually, if, the, if, the, if all the local churches would just follow the church manual, we wouldn't even need that initiative. You understand? We could package it, but if we just followed the church manual, we wouldn't need it at all. I mean, you could say amen. You guys awake today? Last day? Now, this is what the 2015 manual says. The Gospel Commission of Jesus tells us that making disciples which includes baptizing and teaching, is the primary function of the church. It words it just a little bit differently. But listen to this. What exactly is the work of the church board? Is it approving the treasury report? Is it proving church transfers? Yes, it's all of those things. But look at the primary work right here. Are you ready for this? Are you guys awake? Okay, good. Number one, the most important item on the agenda should be the planning of the evangelization of outreach missionary territory of the church that should be the what which item the first item in addition once each quarter an entire meeting should be devoted to the plans of evangelism the pastor and board will initiate and develop plans for public evangelistic campaigns that's a first work of the church board and every quarter a whole meeting of your church board ought to be just to talk about soul winning isn't that what a novel idea i mean who would have ever guessed no one reads the church manual, so we don't know. This is what the new version says. Ensure that is, there is an active, ongoing discipleship plan in place, which includes both spiritual, nurture, and outreach ministries. This is the most important item for the board's attention. What, what good news, amen? We just follow the church manual. We'll do okay, won't we? Look at this. Number two, coordinating outreach programs of departments. The church is, board is responsible for coordinating all the departments. Each department develops its plans for outreach within its own sphere to avoid conflict in timing and competition and securing volunteers and to achieve maximum beneficial results. Coordination is essential. So we oversee each department should make its own plans for outreach and evangelism. Yes or no? 
At every business meeting uh, at Lansing, we have one a year usually, unless we need another one, we give the, the, each department ministry plans. And then they go and they plan their next year. And then we bring it all back together, and that's how we form our master plan of evangelism. How many of you have heard of the master plan of evangelism, right? And we form our master plan from all those plans, and it's a beautiful thing. And so that master plan of evangelism comes from all the other departments planning their events, and then we put them together with the big church events. Number three, encouraging the personal ministries department to enlist most of the members and children in some form of personal outreach. Is that what it says? Oh, I'm sorry. It says those who are comfortable in some form of personal outreach. Is that right? What does it say? How many? All members in missionary service. Who does that include? Everybody except you in the room, right? I mean, like, because that's not my gift, right? My gift is, you know, like preparing for the potlucks. Praise God for that, sister don't, or brother. Don't stop doing that, amen? Because everybody enjoys a good fellowship meal. But everyone is called to missionary what? Service. Training classes should be conducted in various lines of ministry. Number four, encouraging the interest coordinator to ensure that every interest is personally and promptly followed up on by an assigned layperson. Wow! We have BibleStudyOffer.com, amen? And we have such a person appointed, or you should have such a person appointed. But that should have been done 30 years ago, 40 years ago in the churches. You understand this? We ought to have people that are assigning. I think you guys are not happy today. It looks on your faces. All right, number five, encouraging each department to report at least quarterly to the board and business members about their outreach activity. Number six, study membership lists and initiate plans for reconnecting and reclaiming members who have separated from the church. Now let me just ask this question today. If we followed this plan, if we followed the church manual that I believe God orchestrated for us and God led the men to put it together, if we followed this plan, would there be any reason at all for any person in the church to ever say, I don't have anything to do in the church? How many of you have heard people say, well, I, I don't even know why I'm here because no one gives me anything to do. I don't have anything to do. Take personal initiative. All those things pretty much are things that anybody could do on their own. Are you with me? We don't need somebody to give us something to do. God's already given you something to do. He's already called you from the time of your earliest life. Get up and do it. Yes, saints? Get moving. Get moving. No one should say, I have nothing to do. Notice this. This is from the, also the manual. It says the board should permit no other business. How much business? No other business to interfere with the plans of soul winning and evangelism. Don't let your boards get all clogged up, brothers and sisters. Let them be channels for the Holy Spirit to come and say, we got souls in the community to win. That's more important than painting this room or painting that room. Appoint subcommittees to take care of those issues so that you can stay focused. Amen? Number five, way to get involved, which I've already said, but read the church manual and understand it. Suggest to the church to follow. How many think this is a beautiful plan for our church boards? The work of the board is the planning of evangelism. And when you do evangelism, when you see a lost soul come to Christ, there's no greater joy. You're going to get excited. You might be nervous about it, but that's okay. God says, don't fear. I'm with you. Amen? 
I'll be with you to the end of the age. I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. I'll give you the words to speak, yes? Understand why we need church organization. How many of you think we need church organization today? Some people complain about that. They say, well, I don't believe in organized religion. I said, oh, so you mean you believe in disorganized religion? I mean, anything that you do has to be some level of organization, yes or no? We need that today. We need it. Know who your conference and union leaders are. I met a lady once. It was in another conference, and, and, and she was talking to the president of the conference. And she was going on for about 10 minutes with him, telling him some of her problems. She goes, oh, she says, are, you know, are, are you one of the pastors in the conference here? And I was like, lady, that's the conference president. Not that he's not God, but we ought to know who our leaders are, yes or no? We ought to know who they are and what kind of men and women they are and be involved and even communicate with them. They'll be happy to visit with you. Be involved. Know who your church leadership is. Read the elder's manual, the deacon's manual, and the minister's manual. For goodness sake, why can't you do that? Do you have to be an elder to read the elder's manual? No, you can read the elder's manual to say, how can I be more supportive to the elders of the church? You can read the minister's manual to say, how can I be more supportive as a layperson to the pastor? You can read the deaconess and deacon's manual to say, how can I be, and you never know, God may call you to be a pastor. He may call you to be a deacon. He may call you to be an elder. If, you're, if you read the stuff and you're actively engaging in that work, yes or no? Now you've realized by now this is not your typical sermon, right? It's not your typical sermon, but that's okay. Let me say this, number seven, be committed to your local church. Now this is a high horse I like to preach about. Amen? You guys are convicted today. That's why you're so quiet. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like forced with the truth and I'm going to have to change or reject Jesus or resist the Holy Spirit. Look, look. Church hopping is foolish business. It used to be years ago that people were like exclusively committed to their local church. You understand this. They didn't really go anywhere. They didn't go to the next church over that had the concert that Sabbath. They said, well, if there's a concert over there, there's a work to do over here. Nothing wrong with a concert. But they didn't go over there. They didn't go wherever the best program was for that day. Do you understand? And that's what happens. I've had people tell me, oh, no, pastor, I cannot take a church office because I have to go here, and I have to go there, and I have to go there, and I have all these places I'm going. And they're not places that are of necessity. They're places that are of pleasure. Are you with me? We want to go to this church because, oh, such and such a speaker is going to be there this Sabbath. Or I'm going to go over here because there's a nice music program today. No, no, no. God is calling us. And if everybody does this, this is what has happened over the last several decades in the Adventist church. We've had this fluid movement constantly and nothing can get, no, there's no traction that can be gotten at the local church level. Are you with me? We cannot be jumping around on a regular basis. Now, it doesn't mean you can't go to another place ever so often, but if I'm going to my own church twice a month and I'm going to every other church twice a month, then friends, we're, we're losing our capacity to do the local work. Does that make sense, yes or no? Be committed to your local church. Ellen White says this, Review and Herald, January 6, 1885, on the part of every member of the church, there should be a patient continuance in well-doing. Ministers have their work to do, but they cannot do that of the lay members. 
God wants workers in His vineyard, and everyone who has become a partaker of the heavenly gift is under obligation to respond to His call. Yes or no? There is unused talent among us which should be employed in ministering to the others. Some with limited talents are doing a far greater work than others who pride themselves upon their intellectual gifts. God will accept the efforts of those who put good use the ability which He has given them, and they will be war- rewarded according to their works. It is evident that all the sermons that have been preached have not developed a large class of self-denying workers. This subject is to be considered in evolving the most important, the most serious results. Our future for eternity is at stake. The churches are withering up because they have failed to use their talents in diffusing light. Are you with me, yes or no? We have ceased in many ways and in a large segment to be committed to the local church for the sake of doing what I want to do. And brothers and sisters today, we need a renewal, we need a revival in that local church commitment that we might be faithful to our call to duty, faithful to our post, faithful to Christ who has called us to do the work in that local community. Yes or no? We need to be faithful. There's a work to do, friends, when you have a church office. But listen to this. Just because you do a church office doesn't mean, friends, that you don't need to do soul winning. doesn't mean that that's your work. The church office is the call to do a special work that is above the soul winning that God has already called you to do. Do you understand this? As a pastor of a, of a larger church, I have a lot of administrative duties. I have school boards. I have, I have schedules to make. I have all kinds of things to prepare and to keep the church straight. So I, that takes me, sermon preparation, prayer, all those things take me probably 50 to 55 hours a week to do all those things, you understand? But my soul winning goes beyond that. You understand that? Because I understand that God is called. Some people say, well, the soul winning is the pastor's job. No, it's your job. People say, people say well, well, you know, pastor, you have to be at prayer meeting because that's your job. Well, I'm at prayer meeting after I've already worked 10 to 12 hours throughout the day. No, it's not my job. I go there because I believe in it. Do you understand that? It's not because it's my job. I don't go give Bible studies because it's my job. If, even if I didn't get paid, even if I had to pay money, I'd still give Bible studies. Do you understand? When we don't have a church office, we still have a work to do, but the church office is above and beyond that work. The work that we're all called to do is labor for souls for the kingdom of God. Do you understand this? We've got the greatest work to do. What do you say this morning? Listen, when our pastor isn't at the local church, sometimes I have members come up and they'll say, Pastor, are you going to be at church this Sabbath? Are you preaching the Sabbath? And I smile and I say, I'm not going to tell you that. Because I know if I say no, what are they going to do? They're going to sit at home and watch 3ABN. I said, you'll have to come and find out. Sometimes when the pastor's not there because he's preaching in another place, it's a global church, you know. We get upset. Where's our pastor? Why isn't he here? I'm faithful in paying my tithes. We ought to have a pastor here on Sabbath morning. No, when your pastor's not there, he's certainly not sitting at home watching 3ABN. He's out laboring for someone else. And if we see that, then we understand that it's our role to toughen up and accept the call to ministry in the local church. If the pastor's not there, then we need to be there even more. Because the church is not there to serve us. We are there to serve the church, you understand. 
I didn't serve in the church. We are served. Amen? When the pastor's gone, it's more important for you to be there. How many of you can say amen this morning? It's just as erroneous to think in one camp that the priest alone can interpret the Scriptures. It's just, do we see that as error, yes or no? It's just as erroneous to think that it's the pastor who's called to do all the work in the church. Just as erroneous. Are you with me today? If pastors are required, you know, you don't get ordained in the Michigan Conference unless you won souls. You don't get ordained. If ministers are called to prove their calling to ministry, then maybe church members ought to be held accountable for winning souls if they're to serve in leadership positions as well. I knew a Sunday church. I met the pastor. And he says, we don't allow people to serve in leadership on the board until they win souls to the kingdom of God. What a novel idea. Very interesting, isn't it? Very, very interesting. If every church member could win as many souls as sermons they've heard, (laughs) we'd probably be in heaven by now, wouldn't we? We're called to share what we know and we'll grow as we go. There's nothing worse than to be sitting in no man's land in the dead zone. You've got one foot in the church and one foot out of the church because you're not willing to sacrifice all. You're not willing to give God all and so you're just kind of existing. That's a terrible existence. I would honestly rather be out of the church than in that kind of a capacity. You understand this? We need to be dedicated fully, wholly, completely. What do you say this morning, church? Know the duties of every church office in the local church. Know the duties. Know who those people are and ask them if they need help. Are you with me? Know what they're doing. Know what's going on. Know how the nominating committee works. Know how that process takes place. Study it from the church manual. Understand it and recognize that I can be involved in that. Yes or no? I can pray for those people. I had one lady the other day. She'd been in the church for many years. And she says, Pastor, when are we going to vote the nominating committee, the new officers? I said, Sister, we just voted that last week. We had the first reading this week, the second reading that week, and then we voted it. She says, I didn't even know we had a first reading. Why do we even have a first reading? You need to understand these things in your church, yes? Volunteer to be a greeter. How many of you think you could be a greeter? in your local church. That's a very easy job. What better way to get to know all the members? How many of you know every single member in your church? Like people in the front row. That's why they're front row people, right? Get to know people. Be a greeter. That's the best way to find visitors in your church. Amen? Start a prayer Bible study or Bible memorization group in your home. There's BibleStudyOffer.com. A beautiful thing from the Mission Conference. Amen? Make sure your church has an interest coordinator, a Bible study coordinator, a Bible study offer coordinator, and a personal ministries director. Make sure these things are happening in your churches, brothers and sisters. And if you find that no one's doing it, guess what? Oh boy. Do it! You can step up and be that person. Amen? Be active. Be engaged. Start a weekly outreach group or a monthly outreach group. You know what? Lansing, every month we have a different department that leads a community outreach Once a month, we go out as a church and pass out literature and glow tracks and Bible study offer cards and all kinds of different things. And every department, every month, plans a new outreach. And listen, friends, when there is a church outreach planned, please do show up. Please do. Don't just show up for these meetings if they're going to serve ice cream. But come because you recognize there's a great need, yes? The pastors of your church would love it. They would love it. They would what? 
They would love it if they saw the whole church going out for outreach. You don't even have to talk. Just pass it out. Amen? Know the fundamental beliefs and your baptismal vows frontwards and forwards. Every quarter, every year, pull out those baptismal vows and review them again. Pull out the fundamental beliefs and review them again. Keep yourself constantly fresh. Amen? And what you believe. Don't violate those vows by the grace of God. Amen? Know them frontwards and backwards that when people ask you, you know what to tell them. Yes? Those baptismal vows are precious. Reach out to new members or missing members. Volunteer to visit the missing members. Volunteer to disciple the new members. How many of you have read or seen the discipleship handbook here? How many of you have seen this thing? How many of you have read through this? Is this thing beautiful? It's a wonderful tool. Volunteer to take someone else through it. Someone gets baptized, say, oh, you know, I'll be willing to be that person's mentor. Meet once a week for an hour and develop that person. Disciple. Nothing more beautiful than discipling souls. Listen, here's the cycle. We always hear about the cycle of evangelism. But here's the cycle of discipleship. When a believer goes from not knowing Christ to knowing Him, being baptized, growing in the Word, producing the fruits of the Spirit, and then becoming a productive worker or producer instead of a consumer, that person has completed the cycle of discipleship. How many of you say amen? But let me tell you this. There's nothing worse than a Laodicean Adventist who is a consumer in the church rather than a producer. They come to see what can we get out of the church rather than what can we give in a service to the Lord Jesus. We need producers, amen? We don't need any more consumers today. GrowMichiganChurches.org, the beautiful website that talks about the whole cycle of evangelism. How many of you have visited this website before? I want to encourage you to go to this website, watch the videos, read the documents, look at the cycle of evangelism, and encourage your church to be a part of something great. Amen? Amen. How many of you remember Unlocked Revelation? We're doing it again this year, part of the harvest phase. But there's so much more to the whole cycle than just the harvest. We've not been doing evangelism correctly. We've not been blending the personal and the public work. And God's grace, by God's grace, He's forcing us into that kindly, but truly. Amen? And then once you have done some of these things, the way to make it spread is to share testimonies. Would it be to God, what a glorious thing, if God's people had so many testimonies that that took up the whole prayer meeting, so many testimonies that took up the whole Sabbath school time, so many testimonies that we just had, had to have a service once a month or once a quarter of the testimonies of what God's doing in the lives of His people. Amen? Sometimes you call for testimonies and you hear a great one from the crickets. People are like, I mean, and I'm saying to myself, Surely God has done something in the lives of His people. Where are the people sharing the testimonies? Where are the people leading, talking about the people they gave a Bible study to and they made a decision for baptism and for Jesus? Where are those people at, dear friends, that God would give us a testimony? Amen? Our last point is this. Support the General Conference and the World Church. There's all kinds of attacks that are coming out about the General Conference and the General Conference President. In fact, a very well-known professor the other day made the comments about the General Conference that is becoming like Nazism. Friends, let me tell you, I've met Ted Wilson myself. You can't meet a more humble, kind man. You can't meet a more humble, kind man. He's a godly man. He loves the Lord. He's trying to do what's right. 
He wants the church to grow. He wants the church to be blessed. He wants it to be spiritual. He wants it to be revived. He wants Jesus to come. Friends, don't tolerate people being critical of the General Conference leadership. Don't criticize. You can disagree with people and it's fine. You can disagree with the NAD. That's fine. You can disagree with the Michigan Conference. That's fine. You can disagree with the General Conference and that's fine. But don't be critical. Be loving and kind and true to the people that God has placed there. Are you with me? Yes or no? Now we may disagree. Again, that's fine. We may not have a difference of theology and all those things. We want to have unity. Amen? We want to have unity under the truth. We want that. But don't be critical. Disagree, but don't be critical. Amen? Don't say, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're a layperson, a scholar, or, 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 or a, some kind of president somewhere, we ought to not be making attacks upon people personally. Yes or no? The Spirit of God is not in that type of mentality. And in the name of tolerance at that. Don't do it, friends. Today, we need to maintain a loving spirit, but we need to be educated about our church. What do you say this morning? Know what's going on. That's the only thing, the only thing that prevents knowing what's going on is you yourselves. What do you say? Don't just know what's going on though, but be what? Be a part of it. Get active, equipped, and involved. Be the church that Jesus deserves. Call upon His name and He'll pour out His Spirit upon you. And He'll do great things in you and through you. Yes? Be faithful and fruitful in His remnant church. Let's rise up and be the peculiar people that God has called us to. Let's be people who are filled with the righteousness of Christ, filled with the Spirit of the living God, filled with the joy of His fellowship, going out to seek others to be saved in His kingdom. What do you say? Do we really believe that Jesus is coming soon today? How many of you believe that this morning? Do you really believe it? And is your, are you living your life as if you believe and know that Christ is coming. That's the true test. You can speak it all day. You can have warm fuzzies in your heart all day. But does your life testify that the work of God, the kingdom of God, is the number one priority in your life? Some people say, well, I have to have family time. I have to spend time with my children, my family. That's fine. Take your children on missionary outreach. Take your children on Bible studies. Take your children with arms full of bread that you've baked with a loving heart to your neighbors and tell them about Christ. Sign them up for BibleStudyOffer.com. Invite them to unlock revelation. Amen? Take your children. Service to God can be a family event. Yes? And your children will come to love the Lord. They will come to love His service. They will come to love leading souls to the Lord Jesus. And you'll see your children stay in the church. How many of you today want to say, Lord, my life, my life needs to reflect that Jesus is coming soon. My life, more than my lips, needs to be transformed, needs to be revived, needs to be recommitted. And Christ today extends His hand to His church and He says, time's running out. There's more evil spreading like a plague. My people, wake up. Be the people of Zion. Be the people of the book. Be the people that are world changers around you. Be the people that are laboring to win souls to my kingdom. God is calling us today. The question is, are we going to answer that call? 
Are we going to accept His rulership over our lives? Are we going to give evidence of His power and His glory and His Spirit working within us? Are we going to do this, church? Yes or no? Today I'm going to make an appeal this morning. If that's you today and you said, I want my life, not my lips, but my life, to reflect that Jesus is coming soon. I want everybody around me. I want my children. I want my wife. I want my husband. I want my parents. I want my friends and my coworkers to know just by my life, not even my words, but just my life, that Jesus is coming soon. And Lord, I'm willing to let You make the changes that You want to make, the changes You need to make, the changes You must make in my heart, in my home, and in my life. It's not an appeal for everyone, but if you really want that today, and you're willing to open your heart to the Lord Jesus, would you stand to your feet this morning? You understand that in making this decision, you give Jesus rulership over your life. Do you understand that? You understand that Jesus is calling you to work that is uncomfortable. I'm not calling you to comfort today. I'm calling you to glory today. I'm not com- com- calling you to be con- to convenience. I'm calling you to potentially persecution, to a life that is, that, that is picking up the cross and following Christ this morning. Amen? Now there may be somebody here today that has never made a decision to follow Christ in baptism. You may say, Lord, I want to be a part of that church. I want to be a part of Christ's church, the remnant church. Maybe you've attended the church or maybe, friends, today you recognize in your life you need to be reconsecrated through rebaptism today. But you say, Lord, I've got to have a fresh start. I want to be a part of your church, a part of your kingdom, a part of your work today. If you want to be baptized this morning for the first time or rebaptized, would you just raise your hand this morning? Raise your hand this morning. Amen, sister. God bless you. Are there any others this morning that would say, Lord, I need to make that commitment in my life? Any others this morning? I see a hand. God bless you, brother. Praise the Lord today. You may make that decision at any time, but I pray you'll make it in the moment of conviction. Amen? How many of you say, Lord, take me as I am, but make me as you desire to be? Is that your desire this morning? Let's leave this camp meeting renewed on fire and ready to serve Christ when we get home. Amen? May our churches not be the same, and by God's grace, may we be in camp heaven for camp meeting in 2018. What do you say, church? Let's pray this morning. Father, today, we rejoice in Your presence. We rejoice for those decisions that have been made today. Lord, we would not be an ordinary church. We would not just be another denomination, but we would be the Seventh-day Adventist movement of Bible prophecy, God's remnant church in the last days. Oh Lord Jesus, by Your grace, Your beautiful, precious grace, We would be empowered to be the people of God, to be the sons and daughters of God, to be a peculiar people upon the earth. We would be pilgrims today, Lord, looking to that land of glory by faith, which we will soon inherit if we are faithful. Oh, Lord Jesus, transform our hearts. Let Your Spirit live within us. May the fruits of the Spirit and may our love, may Your love in our lives be evident to all. May it be a sweet drawing power to those people of the earth that would seek to know You. Oh Lord, transform us. Give us hearts of grace and truth. Give us the faith in Jesus that we need to eventually have the faith 
of Jesus. This is our prayer today, O oh God, and we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, let all God's people say, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.